Treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to the amazing world of radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to the amazing world of radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Today's program is uh, brought to you by our Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net who made this program possible with their donations and chose what series we're going to do. So thank you so much for your support. All right, well, today we're going to bring you an episode of Screen Guild Theater as we continue our summer of Angela Lansbury. Uh, the original air date on today's episode, March the 27th of 1952, and the title is Not Must Fall. This is Joseph Cotton. This is Angela Lansbury. And this is Hugh Douglas saying welcome to the Screen Guild Theater. Once again, our stage door opens to Vista's a thrilling transcribed adventure. A strange and compelling story filled with terror and suspense. A story that begins with simple fear and builds implacably to panic and to death. Starring Joseph Cotton as Danny and Angela Lansbury as Olivia, with Norma Varden as the aunt, we bring you Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's unforgettable motion picture, based on the play by Emlyn Williams, Night Must Fall. I can still hear him sometimes. I can still hear him whistling that tune. It's only in my mind, I know. But I'm like a child that's been left alone in the dark, frightened, terrified, until I think I'm going mad. We were living in the country then, about a mile or so from the summer hotel. I was a sort of paid companion to Mrs. Bramson, my aunt. She wasn't well, you see, or at least she'd convinced herself she wasn't. A professional invalid who loved her wheelchair. She was miserly, too, and mean and irritable. I can't say that I liked her very much, but, but I had no one else. So I stayed on there in the country with her. Lonely and unhappy. Subject to her every whim. Olivia, my medicine. Olivia, take me for a walk. Olivia, whatever it is you're doing, stop it. I want you to read the papers to me. She'd been in a horrible mood all that morning. Dora, the maid, had broken several cups. That had meant a scolding, of course, and a threat of dismissal. But the girl had cried and said that she hadn't been herself. She'd been having trouble with her young man. He's a page boy, Mum, over at the hotel. He's been treating me fair awful, yes. A good-for-nothing scoundrel. Oh, he's really not. He's mighty nice when he wants to be and very sweet. They call him Babyface. Babyface, indeed. Hm. 
I'd like to give him a piece of my mind. Mrs. Brampson, would you? Would I what? See him, talk to him. He said he'd be dropping over this morning. Maybe if you had a word with him, Mum. Yes, I certainly will. You send him in when he gets here, Dora. I'll deal with him all right. But we had another visitor that morning. A big man. Big and heavy. But rather quiet-spoken. Almost apologetic. The name is Bellsize, madam. I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm with the county police. The police? Oh, it's nothing to do with you, Mrs. Brampton. It's about this lady who disappeared from the hotel. A couple of nights ago, it was. I thought maybe you could help us out. Help you out? Well, they say she'd like to walk this way, through the woods. I was hoping you might have seen her. Oh, speak up, man. Seen whom? Well, this is Mrs. Shelfont, uh, the one who's missing. Mrs. Shelfont? Could, could you describe her? Yes, ma'am, uh, were five foot three, about forty, a dyed platinum blonde. Sort of fleshy type she was. I, I mean, she is. That is, I hope she is. You hope she is? You, you don't mean she might have been... that she might not be alive? Well, it's possible. Oh, nonsense. You'll be saying she was murdered next. Well, it's happened before, Mum. Murdered? Didn't mean to upset you, ladies, but if you hear some beating about in the woods... Don't pay no attention to it, please. That'll be my men. Uh, they're making a search. Murder. Maybe just outside our door. That woman, perhaps, still lying there in the woods. The thought kept haunting me all that morning, until just before noon when Dora sent her young man in. There was something about him from the very first. Smiling. Familiar, almost, but not quite insolent. An unlit cigarette in his mouth. And then when he spoke... Morning, folks. Well, so you're baby-faced. That's me. Silly name, isn't it? You smoke, I see. Yes, ma'am, I... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm always forgetting my manners and company. I'll put it right out, ma'am. Well, now, you know why I sent for you. Yes, Mum, I think so. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Oh, I am. Then you might as well... What's the time? Half after eleven, I think. Olivia? Yes, Auntie? You've forgotten my medicine again. It's half an hour late. I'm sorry. I do have it right here. You know it doesn't do me any good unless it's taken regularly. That's right, ma'am. A lady that's delicate like you has got to be watching herself. Indeed, I must. And I'm thankful someone recognizes it. Here you are, Auntie. Mm. Filthy stuff. Why don't you eat one of them chocolates, Mum? I think some candy would take the taste away. Oh, that's an excellent idea. You'd never think of suggesting that, Olivia. All you want from me is my... Miss in the butcher's ear, Mum. Very well, Dora. I'll be right out. Oh, would you like me to wheel you, Mum? I can wheel myself, young man. You wait here with my niece. I'll only be a moment or two. Well, I'll bet she's something to live with, all right. Especially for a girl like you. Must get pretty lonesome, hmm? Look here. There's one thing you may as well understand. I happen to be employed by my aunt, but I'm not quite in Dora's position. No. You don't like me, do you, Mum? No. Well, everyone else does, including Mrs. Bramson. If you think you can annoy me by playing up to my aunt... Playing up? You may as well forget it. It won't get you anywhere. Won't, huh? <laughs> Would you like to bet? He was very sure of himself. 
sure of my aunt, and yes, I can say it now, sure of me too. It was almost frightening to watch him spin his web. The eager attention when my aunt spoke, the shrewd little flatteries, the mock humility. Why, before he left that morning, she'd offered him a job, and then... Olivia? Olivia? Yes, Auntie, I'm coming. Is there something you want? Take a look at the afternoon papers. See if there's any more about that Shelfont woman. There was something on the front page, I think. Yes, here it is. It is reported that on the night Mrs. Shelfont disappeared, someone was heard moving mysteriously in the woods and whistling mighty like a rose. Well, that shows how hard up they are for news. Mighty like a rose, indeed. Pure rubbish, that's all. I say they'd be better off... Well, here's your Danny boy, Mrs. Bramson. All fixed and settled. Oh, well, that's good. (laughs) Very good. See? I'm wearing the shawl you brought me, Danny. Ah. You know, it was very sweet of you. Your own mother's shawl. It's the least I could do, the way you've taken me in, given me a home. I like you, Danny. You're a good boy. (sighs) And now it's time for my afternoon nap. Right you are, Mum. I'll wheel you in. You know, this chair's awful stiff. Must be hard work to pull yourself around. Yes. I'll put it right with a spot of oil. Won't take me but a couple of minutes. Uh, in here, Danny. This is my room. Oh, well, you know, almost went right by. Now, suppose I lift you onto the bed. Oh. Then I can fix the chair while you're having your nap. Oh. Hold on. Oh, be careful. Oh, don't you worry about your Danny boy. Oh. Oh, upsy-daisy, oh. up you come. And there you are. There. Their pleasant dreams, sweet repose, half the bed and all the clothes. <laughs> you silly boy. <laughs> you get a good sleep, Mum. I'll take the chair along. Oh, Danny. How's that? You're talking to me? Yes. I've got something for you, Danny. Really? For me? Yes. It's the price tag. I took it off your old mother's shawl. You don't like my being here, do you? It doesn't make any difference what I like. I've told you. I'm a servant here myself. Yes, but you're not just an ordinary servant, are you? No. No, I suppose not. Neither am I. Well, I have to fix this chair. You can watch if you like. Hmm. That's a locked nut on there. A bit of a job to get that off. Say something? No. No, I didn't say anything at all. But Dora, don't you know anything about him? Well, not much, really, Miss Olivia. Only that he was born in London and has been to sea and things like that. You might say sort of a mystery, Mum. You think so, too. Anything else? Well, he thinks he's a bit of all right, if you know what I mean. Yes. That incredible vanity. They always have it. Always. Who, Mum? Murderers. Murderers? Mum. Mum, you mean? I'm going through his things. Will you help me, Dora? Me? Oh, certainly, Mum. Anything you say. It's funny he hasn't unpacked his bags, Mum. Yes, it is strange, Dora. He's had plenty of time. Yes, his wallet, though. Maybe we could find something in this. Well, I don't know about oh, that. Why not, Mum? Might as well do the job upright. Huh. Nothing much here, though. 
couple of snapshots and bus tickets and... Wait, Dora. Look. Look at what, then? That snapshot. That's Mrs. Chalfont, the missing woman. There was a picture in the paper today. Well, well, she isn't here. We've been through both these traveling bags, Mum. See if there's another one under the bed. No. No, ma'am, no. No traveling bag. Just this act box, that's all it... What is it, Mum? Dora, suppose there's something inside it. Why not ask me? Danny. Your lady wants me to take her for a walk. I just came back to get my hat. Oh, could I have my wallet, please? It's the only one I've got. Danny, do you know anything about Mrs. Chalfont's whereabouts? Mrs. who? Don't pretend you've never heard of her. Oh, Mrs. Chalfont. I, th- I thought you said... Chalfont's where? Silly, swear about. I, I couldn't think. You haven't answered me. Well, I've got nothing to go on, but I think... I think she's been murdered. Who did it? Who killed her? Danny! Who? What's keeping oh, you? Sorry, miss. The old girl wants a Danny boy. If you'll excuse me now, I'll run along. I've been waiting for you, Danny. I've got to talk to you. Like they are. Did you do it? You know, you look very pretty tonight. Wearing your hair a lot looser, aren't you? You haven't answered again. Look here. Suppose I ask a question or two. Why are you so interested in me? Because you don't talk. So I have to guess at what you're thinking. You'd be surprised. Maybe not. Maybe I know. You think so, huh? Yes. You haven't any feelings at all. No feelings? uh, How do you mean? You live in a world of your own. Of your own imagination. I don't understand that talk a bit over my head, Mum. You understand me perfectly. Maybe. Maybe not. You still think there's been some dirty work? I don't know. Perhaps not. But if she has been killed, the murderer will be caught. What makes you think that? They always are. There's always one mistake they make. Really? And what about the clever ones? The ones who do it and get away with it? The ones... Someone's at the door. I'll go. Just a moment. Good evening, miss. Mr. Belsize. I'm sorry to bother you this late, but could I use your phone? Of course. It's right here in the hall. Hello? Hello? Get me the county police, will you? Yes, Addy, please. Thanks. What is it? What? What's happened? Well, I'd rather not say, miss. It's not very pleasant. Hello? Oh, hello, George. Uh, this is Belsize. Yes, we found it. Yes, in the woods. Right back at the Bramson place. No, no, not yet, George. It's not all there. Yes, that's what I mean. The head is missing. You are listening to Joseph Cotton and Angela Lansbury with Norma Varden and the Screen Guild players in Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's famous story, Night Must Fall. Act two will follow in just a moment. Do you know how important a single vote can be? Let me give you an example. In 1843, the Oregon Territory was claimed by both the American government and the British. But the American trappers in the territory drew up a declaration and code of laws for government by the United States alone. When they were presented to a meeting of the American and Canadian trappers, the feelings of the Canadians were divided. 
So it was decided to put the declaration to a vote. When the votes were taken, 50 favored the United States and 50 were for English rule. Then it was discovered that two French-Canadian trappers hadn't voted. The first one quickly voted for an American government, but the second man couldn't make up his mind. Finally, he voted for an American government too. So by a single vote, the Oregon Territory came under the sole government of the United States, and another page was added to your political history. And now the second act of Night Must Fall, starring Joseph Cotton and Angela Lansbury, with Norma Varden, Irene Tedrow, Raymond Lawrence, and the Screen Guild players. Miss Lansbury, in the role of Olivia, continues our story. I was right. It had been murder. And the head was missing. The head. The head. I couldn't sleep a wink that night, fighting that terrible, overpowering thought. And finally, at three o'clock, I went down to the kitchen to make some tea. I was standing near the stove when I heard, or rather, I should say, I felt someone there. I turned very quickly and... Oh, it's you. What do you want? I heard a noise. Uh, Are you making some tea? Yes. I couldn't sleep. Too bad. Would there be an extra cup for me? I think so. It'll be ready in a moment. It's fine. Cigarette? Thanks. Really, now, what are you doing out here? The truth. I told you. I couldn't sleep. I was frightened. Then why do you keep on staying in this place? You don't like it, do you? No, I don't, but... I could tell you why you're staying. Because you want adventure, that's why. I I don't know what you mean. Yes, you do. You want adventure, the kind that's right here now, just us two in the middle of the night like this. No. This never happened to you before, being alone with a chap like me. Don't. You're not scared. You're excited. Your eyes are shining and there's color in your cheeks and your heart is beating. It's beating pretty fast now, isn't it? Don't. Don't. I'm frightened of you. You feel all light like air, don't you? No. You never knew there was something like this inside of you, did you? That's why you're no. staying on this place, no. isn't it? Oh, stop isn't it. Please. It? Please. I... I... Oh, the water's boiling over. Yes, I almost forgot. The tea. I... You pour it yourself. I, I don't want any. I... I'm going to my room. All right with me. Keep on pretending. I can wait for you. I can wait. You know, your face has been so gloomy all day. You look like an undertaker's assistant. The old lady's beginning to get annoyed. Now, me, I try to stay in good spirits. That's obvious. You've been drinking, haven't you? Sure. Sure, I've been drinking. I feel fine. Any other questions, Mum? There's no use asking. You wouldn't answer. Then it's my turn again. Look here. You know this is no life for you. What's in it for you? Tell me that. What's in it for me? Getting up at seven? Having breakfast with a bad-tempered old woman? Spending the whole day with her in a dreary house? Going to bed at half-past nine? Now, that's a fine life for... Well, what did you have at the hotel? Me? Well... Well, my day don't start so good either. A lot of stuck-up shoes to shine, a lot of spoons to clean that's been in the mouths of gaping fools that looked through me like I was a dirty window. 
Orders, orders, orders. Everybody giving me orders. Go here, do this, do that. Page, boy, page. And just when I think I can take it easy, there's someone nagging, nagging at me, nagging, nagging, and screams and screams, and I can't make her stop only, only by... Go on. Uh-uh. You think I've dropped, don't you? But I'm not. I'm too smart. But not so smart you can sleep at night. Hmm? You couldn't sleep last night. Was something that was keeping you awake. Just a little thing. A box, but it's rather Don't heavy. say it. You try to say it and... Who's that? Now take it easy. Anybody that's there, I'll handle. Hello, Danny. How's things? Oh, fine, Mr. Belsize. Come in. Well, we haven't scared you all out of the house yet, I see. <laughs> not a chance, sir. Any clue for the murderer yet? No, not yet. Pretty clever fellow, all right. You don't say. Absolutely. Got himself more publicity than a movie star. Say, that is on the clever side. Anyone who can do a thing like that and not even be... Uh, Denny. Sir? Why didn't you sleep in your bed at the hotel the night that Mrs. Shelfont disappeared? Uh, how's that? Why didn't you sleep in your bed that night? I did. Denny, I wouldn't advise you to lie. Well, except for about an hour. I, I mean, it was awful hot. I went up on the roof. Well, you should have told me before. Well, that cleans that up, I suppose. I'll run along. Yes, sir. Goodbye, sir. Oh, uh, just one thing, Danny. It's a matter of form. If you don't mind, I'll have a quick look through your room. Well, there's nothing in these traveling bags, Danny. Only the hat box left, I guess. Hmm. Seems to be locked. Got the key? It isn't mine. Not yours. Well, whose is it, then? I don't know. That's funny. If it isn't yours, it's then... It's mine. Miss Olivia. May I have it, Mr. Belsize, please? It's got all my letters in it. But if it's yours, miss, what's it doing in here? Oh, we used this for a storeroom before Danny moved in. Oh, I see. Well, here it is, miss. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be prying through all your letters... Goodbye, Danny. Uh, keep me posted if anything turns up, will I you? will, Mr. Belsize, I will. I don't know why I did it, Danny. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't care what the old lady says, Miss Olivia. Supper's done and served and the dishes washed. There's nothing else left to do, and it'll be dark in 15 minutes. She can't make me stay in this house after dark. I'm going into the village and stay with me folks. But my aunt wouldn't like to be left here alone. But she will be here alone, Mum. You'll be here. No, Dora, I won't be here. I'm going into the village with you. Gone. She's gone. They're all gone. Only she knows too much now. Suppose she talks. Suppose Belsize comes back. Uh, have to do it, I guess. Have to do it. Have to do it. Olivia? Olivia! Drat that girl, never around when I need her. Dora! Dora! Oh, that's another one I'll have to talk to. Danny! Danny, where are you? here. They've gone. They've 
gone and left me. I'm all alone. They've left me. I, I'm going to be murdered. I'm going to... Who's that? Who's there? Oh, Danny, it's you. You're the only one, the only one I can... Danny, that song. That, that song you're whistling. What is it, Danny? Stop whistling, boy. Why do you look at me like that? Tell me, say something. In the name of God. Danny, what is it? Oh, Danny! Well, it's done now. Just have to burn the house down, that's all. Won't be nothing left to show, nothing to... What is it? Say something or I'll... Oh, what's you? What have you come back for? You've killed her, Danny. You've killed her, haven't you? Suppose I have. That's why I came back. I had to come back. I had to find out. No, that isn't why. You came back here for me. To be alone with me. Just just like the other night, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you? I thought I wanted to. I didn't know what murder was like. But they'll get you. They'll get you, Danny. No, not me. I'm too smart. And don't you count on telling him either. You won't be here. There won't be anything here. Nothing. No one. Not when the fire gets through with this place. You're going to kill me, too. <laughs> That's right. And you're scared. No. Not anymore. Because it could have been worse. I might never have found out what you're really like. You're mad. You're mad and horrible. And I almost... Someone's there. I almost... They've been watching. They can't. They can't. I'm the one that watches. Anyone in there? They... It's me. Mr. Beltard. They've been watching from behind the trees. A hundred eyes behind each tree. Eyes, eyes, hundreds of them. Thousands. Hello in there. Anyone up? It's Mr. Belsize. We ought to... Don't say a word. Not a single word. Well, what's going on here? What are you two doing in here? Nothing, sir. Nothing. Just having a talk before going to bed. Why didn't you answer? Didn't you hear me call? Mr. Belsize, my, my, my aunt, she's... Steady been... now, Miss no, Steady. she's been imagining all kinds of things tonight, sir. A bit on the balmy side, I think. That's so. Danny, let me see your hands. My hands, sure. Here they are, sir. There's nothing on my hands, nothing but it. Only a pair of handcuffs, that's all. I tried to phone here before. Routine check. They told me the wires had been cut. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Die, 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 die. I'm sorry you have to see this, Miss Olivia. I'm leaving two men to watch the house, and the coroner will be coming out. You'll be safe here till the morning. Come in, Danny. Who? Me? Sure. You know, it's strange. I'd like something now I never wanted before. A long walk all by myself, just when I can't have it. <laughs> That's contrary, isn't it? But I'm not through yet. I, I'll give them their money's worth at the trial. Let's go, Danny. Certainly, sir, by all means. Let's go. 
Times have changed, and so has the man. After 180 years of the United States Navy's existence, the term New Navy has become more than a slogan to the modern Navy man. The New Navy is here, and he's part of it. He's carrying on with new projects in nuclear energy, in aircraft and ship design, guided missiles, and other weapon systems. But with these advancements, the new ship and weapon developments are useless unless they're placed in skilled, competent hands. Regardless of how complicated these new devices are, they must be controlled by a man. A Navy man with background, training, and experience in modern technology. A man who is progressing rapidly, developing the know-how that makes today's Navy the finest in the world. Yes, times have changed, and so has the man. Green Guild Theater has been brought to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Welcome back. An interesting uh, program. This one has been adapted to radio quite a bit. Uh, this was previously done on Screen Guild Theater in 1944, and it was based on a 1937 movie. And when you get to this point in the golden age of radio, a lot of the programs that adapted radio to movies were having to go with older stories than they typically used. And this could be seen with Lux Radio Theater, but definitely with Screen Guild uh, in using the story that they had previously aired. And we actually, this episode is in the last days of uh, Screen Guild Theater. The series would fold in June of 1952. And it's using... Uh, Library music, which was not something that uh, Screen Guild Theater did in its heyday. Though, strangely enough, the music they're using uh, really sounds like the same music that was used on all the NBC shows in this era. 
But this program was originally broadcast over CBS, so I can't help but wonder whether something happened at the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service or if they just got rights to use the same library NBC did. Well, at any rate, we turn now to uh, listener comments and feedback. Bishop Andrew uh, writes in, Dear Adam, very good adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Uh, I must say I was surprised that the writers managed to tell the story in an hour, uh, less actually considering the intro and the comment by the writer. Thanks for bringing this to us. Uh, you are in for a treat when you get to reading the novel. The language is elegant and there's some dry humor in it. Uh, best wishes, Bishop Andrew. Well, thanks so much, Bishop Andrew. And uh, I think that you could really tell most of these stories, and there were some very skilled adapters who could take novels uh, and movies and really kind of boil them down to their key elements, the most important things, and get them to fit within an hour time frame. It wasn't always successful, but there were a number of programs, you know, not just NBC University Theater, but CBS had Studio One that did the same thing, and often with some of the same stories. Though, I don't think Pride and Prejudice, but there were some uh, shared programs between them. And even with uh, today's story, Not Must Fall, if you're wanting a more full uh, story uh, that kind of captures some of the nuances and really raises the stakes, the suspense, and the way the characters struggle, I, I would uh, recommend uh, checking out the suspense adaptation from 1948 when they were doing one-hour episodes, where Robert Montgomery puts in just a great performance uh, in the same role Joseph Cotton played today. I think it's a lot harder to capture the core of these stories, uh, whether they're movies or books, in only half an hour, though certainly uh, adapters did try. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us uh, back here next week with another episode in our summer of Angela Lansbury. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.